Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, limitless-estates.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get into our show. Today, we have a special guest here with us. Gino Barbaro from The Jake and Gino Show is here. Gino, we're excited to have you on the show. How's it going? Lolita and Kyle, thank you for having me on. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. Well, in case there's some newbies in the real estate space listening, here's a little bit about Gino. Gino has grown his real estate portfolio to over 1,400 multifamily units. He is the co-founder of Jake and Gino, which is a multifamily real estate education company that offers coaching and training in real estate. He is the best-selling author of two books and graduated from the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, where he earned his designation as a certified professional coach. Gino currently resides in Florida with his wife, Julia, and their six children. Listeners, you're in for a treat today. Gino, let's go ahead and drive right in. And could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Well, Lolita and Kyle, once again, thanks for having me on. I'm just a regular person. I call myself the pizza guy. Jake was the drug rep. We met back in 2009 at my restaurant. Jake was pharmaceutical rep back then. I don't know if people remember how bad it was back then, but the Sunshine Act was going on. The internet was taking over. And I knew that my business, my one little restaurant that I had for 20 years, was going to provide the income that I needed for my six kids. That was the reality for me. I saw things shifting and I said, I need to do something different. So I partnered with Jake in 2011. And as we had spoken off air, it took us 18 months to find our first deal. We had the deal, but there was just no financing there. There was no consumer sentiment. GDP was 1%. Rents were $350 a month for one bedroom. So the deals were there and we took a risk. And after 18 months, we bought our first deal. Then we got our second deal three months after that. And then after six months after that on our third deal, 136 units. So we had 200 units on our portfolio. And that's when we decided to start Jake and Gino back in 2014, 2015 time. And since then, we've just been buying deals. We talk about the buy right, manage right, and finance right. That's our three-step proprietary framework. And just continuing on, but Lolita, I guess the biggest thing for me in life was going to coaching school. So if anybody out there is thinking about going and getting re-educated or educated, Take a step back and really consider life coaching school. It's more for personal development, not to be a life coach, although being a life coach is awesome because the connections, the relationships you make, but really working on yourself, working on your personal development, working on that fear that we all have because we all have fear and we talk about energy blocks and the way you perceive something. For me, back in 2015 when I went, it really helped me break through my limiting beliefs about multifamily, about you need money for multifamily. Yeah, you do. 
but you have syndication. You have other people's money also. So it made me look at the business in a different light. And I was able to focus on why multifamily. And that really helped me, you know, explode my wealth. Awesome. Thanks for that. So you've done an amazing job positioning and scaling your company, obviously from 200 units or just starting with one smaller deal. Can you talk about some of the challenges going from just a couple of deals to now scaling to, you know, you guys are well over 1400 units now. That's a great question, Kyle. I think the first thing that I like to mention to everybody as we're seeing right now, this thing that I learned from our coaches, our scaling up coaches, I want to write this down because it's truly important. Revenue is vanity. Profit margin is sanity and cash is king. I want everyone to focus on why are we scaling? Why are you scaling anything in life? Is it for vanity reasons? Is it because you want to focus more on the top line? Well, if you guys have seen the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of layoffs going on. And I didn't want to scale our portfolio just to say I have 5,000 units. That's not what I wanted to do. And fortunately, thankfully, we didn't do that. We scaled, I don't want to say wisely, we were just slow to the game. We started syndicating later in the game because we were just afraid of taking investors' money. So the first thousand units, Jake and I actually purchased ourselves. We were able to refinance and roll over $9 million into the next deal. And I think the hardest part about scaling a portfolio is actually taking it seriously and taking it like a business. All of a sudden, you have to start managing employees. All of a sudden, you have to start implementing processes because it's the three things. It's people, it's systems, and it's culture. When you start growing your portfolio, anything over 100 units, all of a sudden, you can get a full-time maintenance person. You can get a full-time property manager. And Kyle, one of the biggest things that we did was it took us a lot of time. We're a little bit slow, Jake and I. At 600 units, we finally decided, let's get a folio for property management software. It took us a long time. I don't know why. We were comfortable with rent posts, and that was the biggest thing for us because all of a sudden, everything is automated. Everything's online. You have up-to-the-minute recording. So if anybody's out there, and if you have a small portfolio, think of a software like Buildium. I mean, that will really help your, your business out for us. That was a turning point. We're able to actually start processing it, start looking at numbers. And then for us, start creating KPIs, our weekly cadence. What are your KPIs? What key performance indicators do you need in your business? And for us, one of the biggest ones, we send out a weekly pulse to all of our property managers and our KPIs are how many leases are we doing? What is our delinquencies? right? Delinquencies are huge for us. Are we collecting those delinquencies? How many apartments or applications are we getting? How many are we actually you know, turning? Those KPIs are what you need. When you're smaller and you have 10 or 15 units, it's not that big of a problem because you can manage them yourselves and you can jump on a call. But when you are scaling a business, you need to get on weekly calls if you're third-party property managing with the property management company at least once a week to figure out what's going on. Because you want to be proactive, not even just when things are going down, but when things are progressing, you want to be proactive and stay ahead and, and catch those delinquencies. And that's one of the biggest things that we didn't do as we were growing. Things started slipping through the cracks. And when you have 30 units, it's not that much money. But when you have 1,500 units, all of a sudden, a pest control bill that's $3 per door can be really, really huge. So those KPIs, I think, is something that we implement that really helped us out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So we started with a 42 unit and I can tell you everybody that lives in every one of those 42 units, right? It's a smaller mm -hmm. property. I'm looking at it every day and it's no big deal. But then we jumped to 128 units and then it's a little bit more difficult to know what's going on. And so if you don't have those key performance indicators on a weekly basis tracked, 
you're going to lose track very quickly. And as you continue to scale, it's going to be a problem. So if I'm not mistaken, you did bring property management in-house. Is that correct? We did. It's our first deal, Jake managed it day to day because he wanted to get out of the rat race. So for him, we paid him a 10% property management fee to manage that first deal, then the second deal. And as we scaled up, we just continued with the property management because he loves doing, he does that day to day and I do the education day to day. And as you start scaling up, you're able to you know take less of a property management fee for himself, but able to actually bring on employees. We have regional manager. We have regional managers in Tennessee, one in Louisville. It'll help you grow because as you start growing, you need to bring employees on. And that's the thing. You start growing that company out. We like that aspect of it. You know, that part of the vertical integration. And if it's not for everybody, I get it, but you're still going to have to asset manage your property management company. Do you suggest that eventually at a certain number of units, you do bring property management in house? That's a tough question. I like starting out in the beginning, managing my first or second deal for at least people to understand how hard it is <laughs> because property management gets a bad rap, don't they? It's like the utility yeah. companies. The utilities are on, nobody complains. As soon as we lose electric, everyone's up in arms. It's the same thing with property management. Everything's great until the hot water heater goes out and then the tenant's at your throat. So it's a hard business and it's one that we learned doing it. And then we're able to say, you know what? We're going to turn over the keys to a property management company. What are those KPIs? What are those processes that we know? I think around the thousand unit is probably where people want to start bringing it in house. I've heard two, 300 units. I think at a thousand units, when you're scaling up, you can definitely bring it in house. Because remember, you're going to need to have, we have with a thousand units, every office has around 200 units. We've seen the optimal number for every property manager and assistant, 200 units is optimal. Anything more than that, you're stretching that property manager's ability to actually take care of those tenants. So we've seen that. So if you're able to look at that and say, you know what? I'm going to be lean. I'm going to be mean. You can start at 100 units yourself if you want. But if you really have a viable company and a really big syndication company, I think the 1,000 unit number is probably where you want to start bringing it in-house. What's the largest benefit of having property management in-house? Well, it's definitely not for generating revenue. That's for sure. Because you're not going to make a lot of money. What you will do though is in these times right now, we're vertically integrated. So we control the process. So we feel as if that's a unique selling point to our investors that we're actually controlling the process. We're there, we're boots on the ground and we can react quickly. You know, that I think assures our investors more than anything that we're looking at our properties and we have our best self-interest. It's hard to find the property management companies out there. That's one of the things when students start this venture, make sure that you're in a city. If you're going to get third-party property management, make sure you're in a city that's big enough where you can find property management companies out there. If your MSA is less than 100,000, you may struggle to find that third-party property management company out there. So if you're going to third-party property manage, make sure there are companies out there that can actually handle what you're trying to buy, whether it's a 20-unit or a 200-unit. Make sure you have those property management companies out there. Yeah, they're going to make or break or deal. And if you're in a market that just does not have good property management company, I would completely avoid that market. Mm -hmm. Or you just partner with somebody who's boots on the ground and you say, hey, here are the keys. Let's property manage this company. That's this property if it comes down to that. Yeah. All right. Talk about your framework, buy right, manage right, and finance right. You mentioned a little bit earlier, but can you go into that a little bit more deeper? Yeah. So when we first started, we were always talking about buying on actuals. And Kyle and Alita, I think we're back to buying on yeah, actuals. Huh? I love that. I do love it. You know, Man. if it don't cash flow, <laughs> let the grass grow. That's what we say, right? <laughs> People thought we were crazy saying this for the last two years. We only bought two deals last year, right? It was frustrating as hell, right? Because I was pissed. I'm like, I've got all this capital, I've got all this money, and we're fiduciaries for our investors, but I can't buy a four cap on pro formas in Atlanta 
on a sea property that's built in the 60s with cast iron plumbing and it's going to be a capex tsunami. I can't do that, right? And it was just so frustrating watching these deals pass and watching these deals pass. So the biggest thing is, you know, the buy right and the finance right, those are the two of the back legs of the wheelbarrow that we call. And once they're done properly, they're done and that's it. You've got them locked in. The finance right, if you've been able to get that long-term fixed rate financing, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to weather the storm if you've bought right and you can pay your bills. Now, you know, the finance right portion for us, we started out with community banks and it was tough for us in the beginning because we had to get recourse debt. But you know what, Kyle, when I started, I didn't have that much to lose anyway. So that was my risk. I just think right now we lose money in real estate when we have to sell. If you don't have to sell, you can weather the storm. You'll be okay. Back in 07 and 08, I was talking to a lot of students and a lot of people that lost money back then. What happened was they were collateralizing their loans. Basically, if you have 10 houses, you put them all collateralized. If two of those go down, you take the whole portfolio down. They didn't have long-term fixed rate financing, so they were stuck. They were losing value day by day, and their properties were not cash flowing. That's the problem. They're buying for the future appreciation. There was no cash flow to actually hold these assets. So that's what I think is really important with multifamily. If you've bought it right and you can cash flow, you can weather the storm and you can go down to a specific break even, whether it's 75% occupied or 80% occupied and you can pay your bills, you'll be able to weather the storm and maybe come out strong on the other side. And the management portion is the wheel of the wheelbarrow. That's just in constant motion. You're constantly getting your KPIs. You're constantly doing your cadence of accountabilities. And I think the most important thing that I should say on the podcast is Multifamily is a business. It's all about implementing systems. When you first start out, you're the IMA. IMA do this, IMA do that, IMA do everything, and that's okay. But as IMA grows, IMA can't do everything because you're going to have to start hiring people out. And that was one of the hardest things for us to let go of is like, okay, we have to get people, let it cut our grass. We have to have people come out and actually change the locks and the keys. We can't do that ourselves. So that's one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur. When is that next hire going to happen? You know, and I think everyone on the call needs to focus on things that generate revenue. If you can focus on activities that generate revenue, whether that's going out, looking at deals, raising capital, those are things that generate revenue. If you can manage and get rid of those tasks that don't or that are less and you can pay for that. That's what I think you should do. Focus on that. Yep. So there's a lot of new sponsors out there getting into apartment buying and you mentioned it, you know, this is a business and a lot of these people do not have a business background or a management or operations background. Where can these sponsors, new sponsors, new syndicators get that training and learn about the asset management piece of owning apartments? Well, my son is 17 years old. He's a senior in high school. We homeschool him. He's dual enrolled in college right now. So he's taking his second semester and I want him to take management and I want him to take business classes. Go to community college and learn what a T12 is. Learn how to underwrite a deal. Learn how to do that. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is go out and find the Kyle Mitchells of the world who are actually doing the business and maybe partner with them raise some capital for them and actually get it done or even invest as a limited partner on somebody else's deal and see how that works. You know, you walk before you run. You're not going to look at a $10 million deal on your first deal. Maybe your first syndication, you partner with somebody who's got that vast experience, but you have to be able to bring something to the table. Are you a networker? Are you able to underwrite the deals? Are you able to bird dog or do day-to-day on the deal itself? Are you able to have maybe some net worth and bring some net worth to the deal? There's so many different ways you can get into multifamily that I didn't know when I first started. I just said, hey, let's buy a couple of deals together and you don't have to do that. There's so many different ways to get into it. But I think for people wanting to get into it, find somebody who's doing it. You know, I always say pay to play or seek to serve. You can either 
pay to get in the deal as an LP. You learn while you earn or you go out there and you help that person with the deal and you partner from that perspective. So what are some creative things you do from a management operations standpoint that, you know, get your properties running more efficiently? So for us, we have no security deposits. We only do non-refundable moving fees. We don't like security deposits because, you know, that confrontation between the tenants, it just lasts forever. And most landlords don't give the tenants security deposits back, you know, and the tenants know that. So for us, it's non-refundable. We do use something called a sure deposit to sure bond. So we have the tenants purchase the sure bonds. If they do default or there is damage at the end of the lease, we still go after them. There's still collections and all that. So for us, it works really, really well. We get money up front. So it's cash up front. We use that as additional income. For us, we're also strict with our eviction policies. I mean, on the 5th, there's a late notice. On the 10th, you're going to get a 10% late fee. On the 10th, if we go to evictions. Now, for this time of the year, you see March 23rd, we had the evictions. They got pushed off 30 days because of the court cases. I think you just have to stay consistent and you can't let one tenant go and not another tenant go. You have to be consistent with it. Now, what, I don't know what's going to happen in this environment, but for us, like you said, you know all 42 tenants and you're in your property. Now that you have 160, you're a fiduciary to all those 160 tenants. If three aren't paying and you can't pay the bills, the other 158 are going to suffer. So for us, being consistent, using Appfolio has really been a positive for us, having that property management software. A couple other things in management, I'm trying to think of other things that we do with management. Now, virtual leasing is huge. We're actually leasing up. We're going to be implementing a system by using YouTube. A lot of our tenants aren't really good on Zoom. So we're doing Zoom, but a lot of them just don't like to use Zoom. So we're mm-hmm. going to start creating videos on YouTube to virtual leasing. And I think the other, the, just the payment portal online has been huge for us, for tenants to be able to pay online. That's been something really good. And we've been talking about that, doing virtual tours. That's something that we're doing right now, implementing in Q2 to actually keep our employees safe. And I think a lot of the Gen Z, I think a lot of the new generation, they just want to be on the phone. What does the apartment look like? This looks good. Let me go and let me sign a lease. So that those are a couple of things I think everybody needs to be looking at right now going forward. Yeah, love those things. So you have over 100 million under management. You've written books. You're a successful coach. You have a training program. What's next for you? What's your ultimate goal with all this? I don't have an ultimate goal. <laughs> okay. I just want to wake up every day hang out with the kids, do a little homeschooling with the kids, go play tennis, go to the beach. And for me, I'm just trying to get better as a leader because I'm not the kind of person who needs communication. I'm not the kind of person who needs rah-rah. But I see that a lot of our society and a lot of the younger generation really needs that, especially going through what we're going through right now. And communication is key. Being upfront is key. Trying to be that strong rock has been key. And for me, I like to speak. So trying to become a better speaker. And like I said, kind of Lolita, it's not about how many units you get. It's about the quality of the mm-hmm. deal that you get. That for me has always been a ride. Ray Dalio talks about ego and blind spots. The people who have had a big ego and have had blind spots in the last three or four years are going to get crushed in this. And I just don't want my ego to get in the way of saying, I need to have 3,000 units or my students are doing great. I just want to continue to provide value and continue to have fun. Because it's been fun down in Florida. I moved from New York three years ago. So guys, don't come to Florida, okay? It's not that nice down here. Trust me. (laughs) I mean, for me, it's been amazing. I just love it down here. I love the people down here. I'm right near the beach. So just to continue to grow the Jake and Gino community, that's been my focus for the last, you know, 12 months. And I just want to continue to grow it. And I love speaking about real estate. That's my Awesome. Love it. Thanks for that. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yes. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney, Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money, but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. 
Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. All right, Gino, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? It sounds simple, but it's just Zoom. I can't do that Zoom and go to webinar. They're just indispensable, especially now but on the forefront, but just being able to get on a coaching call with somebody, being able to see somebody mm-hmm. and they're almost like they're there for us. And like I'd mentioned, you know, property management software is probably another one. Portfolio is probably the other one. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? The biggest mistake was back in 2005, I had extra cash, like probably most people have had had in the last couple of years. And I went and invested in a mobile home park with somebody. And for me, it wasn't the investment that was bad. It's the person I invested with. So I think that the moral of the story is, you know, watch who you sponsor with, watch who you get over with. And people are always thinking, you know what, if I had some money, be okay. It's really not about the money. It's really about taking that education. I was taking massive action, right? I was going out there investing, but I didn't know my due diligence. I didn't know the sponsor. I didn't know that I was in a syndication, right? All these things factored into that deal blowing up. So I always say to people, education times action equals results. And for me, that led me to multifamily because finally I said to myself, I want to get into a niche that I can create a little bit of passive income while I'm working at the restaurant and not have to do it full time and then transition over into, and I was just fortunate to pick a niche that right now it seems like people want to rent apartments. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to get lucky, right? So I got lucky in that respect, but really going out there, doing your due diligence, getting clear on what you want and really focusing on the sponsor, on the person who's running the deal. That's really important. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Shut off the media. (laughs) Don't listen to any of that negative stuff because it's so underreported how that works on a person's psyche. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm listening to that crap in the morning and all of a sudden me and Kyle have to get on a call and I don't feel like getting on the call because it's like I've heard that crap all day. Getting an accountability partner and having a partner, I think, is so underappreciated because I've been partners with Jake and Jake and I are still befuddled by what's going on. I was working on Sunday. So, I mean, most people are probably hunkered in and we're working every day because this is what it needs. And if I didn't have a partner like that, maybe I wouldn't be pushed. Maybe I didn't have that accountability. I think you need that. I think you need to have clarity. I think you need to find like-minded people. I think your identity, who you're identifying as, I was identifying as a pizza guy five and six years ago. I was taking the actions of a pizza guy, not of a multifamily investor. I think who you identify as is really important. And I think your environment is truly important. If you're around other people who are scared, other people who have no direction, guess what? Sooner or later, that's going to creep into your psyche. So Mm -hmm. for me, having Jake as a partner and having my wife who's strong also, and it's just like, you know what? We're going to get through it. I think has really helped me out these last couple of weeks. Love that. And lastly, Gina, where can people find out more about you? Just go to jakeandgino.com. We have our, if you see behind me, we have four weekly podcasts. We have our multifamily zone podcast. We did a show last week on homeschooling because I know a lot of people right now are homeschooling and they're going to see that, you know what? 
I taught my kid how to go to the bathroom. I taught him how to walk. I taught him and her how to talk. All of a sudden, maybe I can't teach them how to do algebra. I can't teach them how mm-hmm. to read. And I think the public school system is going to be like, wow, we're not having a lot of kids next year. And let me tell you something, when you can go do school in three hours, and my kids were in the pool 20 minutes ago, they went back and did school, it's a lifestyle. I think a lot of people are going to be like, it's hard. And Kyle and Lolita, there's nothing in life that's easy, right? But anything that's worth it is going to be hard. But let me tell you, it's so worth it. So for me, listen to that podcast. I think you can get some really good ideas and just go to jakeandg.com. That's where we have all our stuff there. Awesome. What a pleasure. We can't thank you enough for your expertise and wisdom today, Gino. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.